0: You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, what's going on? You guys know the deal by now. It is your host, your boy, Sosa Kramenjas. I'm a fantasy analyst at Pro Football Focus and your host of this Locked On Rams pod, your number one daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams. Today's episode is brought to you by Bilt Bar. Go to billbard.com and use the promo code locked on and you'll get 20% off your next order. Welcome back for another fresh week of the Locked On Rams podcast. This is going to be your Monday edition of the pod, and I appreciate you guys for tapping back in with me for another week of off-season coverage of the Los Angeles Rams. If you guys missed the news over the weekend, there was a bit of shakeup on the coaching staff. Stop me if you've heard that before. This just has become a theme at this point. Coaches coming in, coaches going out. Nothing different this time. The Los Angeles Rams have actually agreed to mutually part ways with former offensive line coach Aaron Cromer and have now made a hire and already replaced him, so they clearly keyed in on their guy. And that won't be the only thing we're going to talk about in this episode. In the second segment, we're going to continue our positional review series with the defensive line, and then we're going to top it all off with the Mock Draft Monday segment to finish this episode. So we're going to begin with the essentially firing of Aaron Cromer, which was obviously a big surprise because Aaron Cromer is notably known to be one of the best offensive line coaches in the NFL. He's obviously been a very, very talented and productive coach for the Rams. We've seen a lot of linemen come in and play some of their best football in their careers with the Rams. Andrew Whitworth has been a stalwart left tackle, and he's been that before in his career, but it's nice to see that happen again. Rob Havenstein has really developed as a right tackle. Under Cromer, you've seen guys like David Edwards, Bobby Evans, Austin Corbett turn their careers around Austin Blythe. All these guys that, you know, were either day three picks or not really drafted at all, essentially start a lot of football games for the Rams. You've seen a guy like Roger Saffold, the former left guard, turn into an elite guard, get paid in free agency and get paid a whole lot of money and is now one of the best guards in football. So Cromer did a tremendous job. It's a little strange as to why the Rams chose to fire him. They did call it a mutual agreement to part ways. But we know in this business, more often than not, that just is a nice way to say, you know, we're moving on and we're going to fire this guy. And it's confusing. There seems to be, you know, some confusion from fans as to why this happened. I don't have the answer. And it is obviously strange. But when you consider the fact that his son is still on the staff, Zach Cromer, he's actually not leaving. He's not getting fired or, you know, he's not parting ways, so to speak. It's very weird. So, you know, I don't know what the dynamic was there, how the Rams came to this decision, but they have already found their new guy, the replacement. They're hiring an offensive line coach called Kevin Carberry from Stanford. He spent time with Sean McVay, I believe, for one year with the Washington football team many years ago, obviously. And Carberry has been the assistant head coach, the offensive line coach and the run game coordinator at Stanford for the last four seasons. And he's been pretty productive in his role there. This is a guy who's now going to come back to the NFL. I'm sure he has somewhat of a relationship with Sean McVay. And now we're starting to see that theme sort of build here. Sean McVay hires Raheem Morris for the defensive coordinator role since Brandon Staley took the head coaching role and left the staff that's one relationship that he sort of went back to the honeypot for and you know now he's double dipping his hand in that cookie jar so to speak and now he's hired a second positional coach that he's had a relationship with formerly so you know this is obviously a business of relationships and you know who knows who and who knows what is gonna oftentimes get guys jobs and that's probably a lot of the reason why Carberry got this job. I'm sure Sean McVay views him as a qualified candidate to take over that offensive line. And it's going to be fascinating to see what happens with the offensive line from this point, moving forward under the coaching of Carberry. Looking to his time in Stanford, you know, it's very fascinating as to what they did there. I pulled up some numbers from PFF, so please stick with me here. And just so you know, take these rankings with a grain of salt. There's obviously you know, 400 plus teams, it feels like in college football. So, you know, it's very hard to see a team ranked in the top 10, top 15, top 20 in whatever statistic it may be. But we're going to begin with the run percentage. They ran the ball 43.2% of the time. So a pretty heavy run scheme there. You look at their explosive run percentage, they have explosive runs 14% of the time that ranked 177th. They had 5.2 rushing yards per carry, That was 83rd. And these are all numbers over the course of the last four seasons, a.k.a. when Carberry took over that run game slash offensive line for the Stanford Cardinal. You look at the rushing yards before contact, obviously a very important figure, 1.8 yards, which is not that great. It was 144th, but again, way better than a lot of the remaining teams. I believe this is out of a 355-team sample size. That might be incorrect, but it's definitely near that number. You look at the rushing yards after contact, 32 Ranked 47th. They ran outside zone 10% of the time, so not very often. I think we're going to start to see a little bit more gap scheme power concepts similar to what we've seen K-Makers running a lot this past season for the Rams. You know, I think they're still going to want to be an outside zone based offense in general, but I would not be shocked to see more power game You know, more counters, more pin and pulls, things of that nature. You're going to see a lot more polling linemen, I believe, a lot more polling, I guess, H-backs, tight ends, anyone really, even wide receivers. We've seen the Rams do that this past season. I think we're going to see a lot more of that kind of stuff incorporated here. Probably a better balance between, you know, 50% zone scheme running, 50% gap scheme running, and just try to keep defenses on their toes and not really be able to expect anything from this offense because we've seen how quickly the offense can fall apart when They rely on strictly one type of play, which was the outside zone running play in 2018. And then their whole offense was based off that. And then in 2019, when teams found a way to neutralize that running game, the offense completely fell off. And so I think that's why Sean McVay wants to continue to get multiple in his running schemes, in his schemes in general, how his guys play, what kind of plays he has able to you know, to be called on his play sheet, all things of that nature that encompass an entire offense. You look at the pressures, Stanford has allowed 503 pressures over the last four seasons. So that ranked 185th, not bad. Only a 5% sack percentage ranked 80th. That's very solid. And only a 24.7 pressure percentage, which ranked 67th. So those quarterbacks were given a lot of time. They weren't sacked very often. They weren't pressured all that often either. And I think with this hiring We now have to start to look at certain players that are coming out of this draft, specifically the offensive lineman from Stanford, as, you know, it's probably fair to expect Carberry to have a little bit of input in terms of, you know, this is a guy I've coached. Maybe we want to stay away from him or, you know, maybe this is a guy I coached and and I'm very high on him. He's going to have more exposure to some of these guys than Most coaches will, and I'm specifically talking about three prospects, and one in very particular, but we're going to start with the tackle, Walker Little. I think this is a guy we now 100% have to focus on. He could be the left tackle of the future for the Rams, depending on how Carberry thinks he can develop at the next level, if he's worth the pick, and if he can eventually slam his fist on the table for his guy. And then the two remaining guys are Davis Mills, the quarterback, and potentially a wide receiver, Simi Fahoko, who's a very big guy, very fast. Very, very raw, but he does fit the need of what the Rams want in terms of a vertical field stretcher. The Rams are probably going to go find one this offseason, and Fajoco could be that guy, but I'm definitely focusing on Little in specific, which is going to be important because blocking defensive linemen in this league is of the utmost importance, and we know that with Matthew Stafford's barrage of injuries throughout the course of his career. And talking about blocking defensive linemen, we're going to continue our positional review series with the defensive line in the next segment. And while we've got you, make sure to come connect with us on Twitter for all the coverage you need on the Los Angeles Rams. You can find me at QB's MVP, and you can find the page at Bet BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. And BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. That's betonline.ag. We're covering everything you need to know about the Los Angeles Rams, but what about the rest of sports? Now, the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back to the second segment of this Monday edition of the Fresh Week here at the Locked On Rams pod. I appreciate you guys for sticking around for this segment. And I did mention before the break that we're now going to continue our positional review series looking at the defensive line. And I'm going to strictly look at just the interior defensive linemen. I'm going to save the edge rushers for the linebacker spot. I know that's probably counterintuitive, but... I want to kind of break it up here. There's plenty of defensive linemen to talk about. I don't want to have to group all the edge rushers in there as well. And then the linebacker position would be a little bit light, so to speak. So we're going to stick to the defensive interior. And I have all the PFF numbers here right in front of me to help me illustrate really just how good these guys played. We're going to hand out a letter grade in terms of how the unit played. And I mean, we are talking about the number one ranked defense in 2020. You better believe that the grade is probably going to be pretty good because this was one of the units that stepped up in a major way for the Rams. Obviously, their secondary was another unit that shouldered majority of the load on the defensive side of the ball. And the linebackers, specifically the inside linebackers, left a little bit to be desired. But the interior defensive linemen did not leave a lot to be desired. This group was fantastic. And it's always going to be headlined by defensive tackle Aaron Donald, who led the NFL in total pressures with 98. The guy is a superhero. There's really nothing left to talk about here. I mean, the guy is the best player in football. He had 13 and a half sacks this season, led the way in pressures, had absurd win rates, pressure rates, pass rush productivity. Any way you slice it, this is the best player in football, a top three player in football. If you're biased and you want to go with somebody else, that's fair. But I mean aaron donald a plus every single time and he's the most important player on the d-line and he's always going to be the biggest performer when it comes to statistically and in terms of just looking at the game film how badly a guy can wreck a game plan that is aaron donald continuing on we're going to look at michael brockers who was second among the interior defensive linemen in pressures he had 28 this season which wasn't a ton now he did have 367 pass rushing snaps and five total sacks so You know, it wasn't terrible, but then when you look at a guy that's even further down the line in terms of the backups, Morgan Fox, very impressive. He had 243 pass rushing snaps, so about 130-ish less than Michael Brockers, yet he had six sacks on the season, which is a tremendous amount for a guy with as many snaps as he had, and he had 25 pressures, so he had one more sack than Brockers and only three less pressures on about 130 less pass rushing snaps. The win percentage was obviously a bit skewed in the favor of Fox as well. He had a 12.3 win percentage where Brockers only had a 9%. The pressure percentage for Fox, 10.3%. Brockers, 7.6%. So Fox was a tremendous player. Now the issue for the Rams in terms of Morgan Fox is that he's gonna be a free agent here in a few weeks and they have to decide if they want to invest in him, bring him back, continue to be a rotational piece on the defensive line, a guy who can line up pretty much anywhere across the defensive line, specifically on the interior. He can play a lot of different gaps there. And he's been a very solid pass rusher. Now, he's not going to be a dominant run defender. That's not really his role. He's on the lighter end in terms of physique and stature. But a very talented player, obviously was an impactful pass rusher for the Rams with six sacks. That was third on the team behind only Leonard Floyd and Aaron Donald. He was fourth on the team in pressures, once again behind Donald Floyd and then Brockers. And he proved to be a very valuable rotational defensive lineman. I think if the Rams can find a way to bring him back on a relatively cheap-ish deal, not have to break the bank, I think they're going to try to. I I know that they're going to want to. Why not? I mean, he's a very talented rusher. This is a guy you can plug in on pretty much any passing down, any third down, and you can expect him to, more often than not, beat the guy across from him and essentially apply pressure on a quarterback. That's a very valuable skill set in the NFL. And we've seen guys like Fox and other names as well step up. When Aaron Donald went down in the playoff game against the Seahawks, he missed about a quarter and a half, maybe even a little bit longer. And the defensive line took it on their shoulders and stepped up. Every one of those guys stepped up and they eventually finished the job, obviously, and the Rams won the game. But it was good to see a defensive line without Aaron Donald, the guy that's pretty much always shouldering the load for this unit, step up and find a way to win that game and continue to apply pressure on Russell Wilson. And Morgan Fox was a big part of that. I'm going to continue with the defensive line here. And maybe the biggest step in terms of improvement this season, Sebastian Joseph Day, the guy was absolutely outstanding. When you look at his stats, you're not going to be blown away. He had only one sack on the season, only nine total pressures. But as a run defender, I'm not sure there is many better run defenders in the NFL right now. Then Sebastian Joseph Day. The guy was absolutely outstanding as a run defender. So many run stops. He can two-gap. He can play the nose. He can play shaded technique. He can play one technique. He can play the three-tech. He can do anything inside of those tackles. He's going to get down and dirty. He's powerful as hell. He's strong as an ox. He can stand up offensive linemen, reset the line of scrimmage. Like I said, two-gap. And he's very good at using his eyes and shadowing where a running back is going and eventually discarding of the offensive lineman that's in front of him, and then going to make the tackle. We've seen that so many times this past season. He took a massive step forward, and I know for a fact that he is the best run-stuffer on the team. And going into this next season, I would not be the least bit shocked if the Rams feel able to potentially cut and or trade A'shaun Robinson just because of how good and how quick Sebastian Joseph Day was able to develop this past season. Talking about A'shaun Robinson, his season was not good. He missed eight games with, we're not even really sure what, to be honest. It might've been something COVID related, but he had only three total pressures and obviously no sacks. And then you look at Greg Gaines who outplayed him as well. Greg Gaines had five total pressures and one and a half sacks. And I think he was probably every bit as impactful as a run defender as Sean Robinson was. Now, the Rams can't really just outright cut Robinson. It wouldn't save much money. It wouldn't make much sense either, but I wouldn't be shocked if they do. Find a way to cut him and designate him as a post June 1 cut, or look to shop him if somebody is looking for a relatively cheapish, solid, run stuffing defensive tackle, because that experiment so far throughout this first season has not worked out very well for Robinson or for the Rams. In the final segment, we're going to dive into my mock draft that I concocted using the PFF mock draft simulator, and we're going to break down all the players that I selected, hand out my little grades, and talk about the positions that are going to be affected by those players overall. Make sure to keep checking back in with us at the Locked On Rams podcast as we're going to continue our offseason coverage for the Los Angeles Rams. The fitness industry is incredibly confusing and oversaturated with a lot of BS information. When I'm telling you guys I have found the perfect protein bar, I mean it because the Built Bar is the best protein bar on the market. I've lost 155 pounds over the last two and a half years and I have tasted every protein bar you can imagine over that course of time and I'm 100% certain that the Built Bar is by far the best protein bar on the market. Their texture is unreal. It's similar to like a brownie. The taste is unmatched. They have 18 different flavors. You can never really get bored because they offer so much variety. The bars are also super healthy. They're low in calories, low in sugar, they have 19 grams of protein per bar. They're high in fiber, and they even work for those on the keto diet. You even get a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. Go to BiltBar.com and use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code Locked On for 20% off at BiltBar.com. Join the Draft Network's Trevor Sykema and Ben Solak every weekday on Locked On NFL Draft. Every Monday through Friday, Trevor and Ben break down everything you need to know about the NFL Draft, upcoming prospects, and more through the Draft Scouting Lens. With Mock Drafts every Monday, get an early look at which top prospects may be available for your team over at Locked On NFL Draft. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the final segment of this Monday edition of the Locked On Rams pod. I appreciate you guys for making it this far into the episode. And I did mention before the break that we're now going to continue our Mock Draft Monday series. And I try to continue to mix it up for you guys, not really make the same picks Over and over, and I don't believe that I selected any of the players in this draft. And I did also make a trade, so it is a little bit different. And we have to begin at the very top with pick number 57. I tried to trade out once again, but nobody was really too interested. There was only one team, and it was a big drop down, so I didn't really want to make that big drop. I can't recall which team it was. I just decided to stick at 57, turn in the card, and I selected Jalen Mayfield, the tackle out of Michigan, who may ultimately be a convert in the NFL, sliding inside to the guard position. But this is a guy who is very explosive. I'm excited about his prospects, especially with a new offensive line coach now in Carberry. I don't know what he's going to be able to do with the guys on his roster, but Jalen Mayfield is a very talented player. And if he doesn't start a tackle for the Rams at some point, he could start from day one at left guard and eventually even slide out to the tackle position to replace Whitworth when he's ultimately due for retirement, which apparently is going to never happen because the guy just continues to get better with age. But seriously, you know, Mayfield is a guy that could play left tackle at the next level, maybe even left guard. I think you could plug him in at left guard, forget about the position, get a very talented and explosive player there and somebody who could headline that position for many years to come. The next pick is was halfback slash wide receiver, Demetric Felton out of UCLA. He was at the senior bowl. We always got to put stock into guys at the senior bowl. We know less need, loves those players. Demetric Felton, I think he's a very versatile weapon, somebody that the Rams could utilize in terms of his ability to come out of the backfield, run the football, run routes out of the backfield, catch the football, line up in the slot, play that receiver position. I think he could play in the return game and he could really be used everywhere on the offense. I think the Rams have a need for a guy that's a little bit gadgety, similar to what Felton could offer you. Some think he is a better receiver at the next level. So, you know, he's capable of doing that as well. But if you're looking for a guy with crisp running ability, good hands, the ability to uncover, get open, make plays with the ball in his hands, Felton is that guy. And ultimately, he wouldn't really be going anywhere from UCLA to the LA Rams, I think that fit would be good, and I do think that he could provide another spark in these special teams, like I mentioned. The next pick at 113 was linebacker Baron Browning out of Ohio State. I think Browning could ultimately come in from day one and start for the Rams at linebacker. Now, that is partially due to the not very good construction of the linebacker position that the Rams currently have, but I do like Browning as well. I'm intrigued by his skill set. He too was at the Senior Bowl, and I thought he was one of the more well-rounded players there He didn't really stand out, particularly at any one part of the game. You know, there were certain reps where he won as a pass rusher. I thought he looked very solid there. Certain reps that he would win as a coverage linebacker where, you know, guys are going to get exposed in those one-on-ones a bit more than anyone would like to see. But that's kind of how one-on-ones go, especially when there's no pass rush, no pressure on the quarterback and things of that nature. And then you look at Browning in the team sessions, and I thought he was very active in run defense, and I thought he moved well. So, you know, I think Browning is a guy that could ultimately come in and start for the Rams in day one. And ironically enough, the Ohio State Buckeyes have, I think, three, maybe four linebackers headed to the NFL in just this draft. So you can imagine how talented they were at the position in college. That was the pick that I ultimately traded. It was originally the number 103, and I traded back to 113 and did pick up number 185 in that process. At 140, though, I went with Patrick Jones, the edge rusher out of Pittsburgh. Very talented player. He did not perform very well at the Senior Bowl, but this is a guy who has a prototypical frame. He has some very decent pass rushing chops. He's going to need to get more creative with his pass rush plan, his hands, his pass rush moves but that's why he's a fourth or fifth round pick or you know maybe even later than that. But he does have some intrigue as well. He has the ability to come off the edge with some speed in a speed rush. He's got a great body, a great frame. And at this point, I'm really just throwing darts at the dartboard at important positions. And that's why I drafted him. Edge rusher is a spot that the Rams need to get better at, especially with Leonard Floyd leaving potentially in free agency. It seems like he's likely gonna take off with how much money other teams could offer him And that's definitely a sore spot for the Rams on their defense. Maybe the weakest position as of right now with no changes to the roster on the defense. And I think Patrick Jones could be an impact player for the Rams simply because of their lack of depth or even starters at the spot. And that is both a good and bad thing, I guess. But, you know, Patrick Jones is a guy that I would take a shot on as a developmental pass rusher here. And ironically enough, the next pick at 185 was the exact same thing. Charles Snowden out of Virginia. He is a long lanky guy like six seven you know 265 something of that nature he needs a lot of work obviously he can't really just come in and start at this spot he's very raw in terms of his pass rush plan but